Welcome to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. Here is your host, Bill Faith. Hey everybody, Bill Faith here. Welcome back to STR Unfiltered. Super excited about my guest today uh, because this is all about how we build wealth, folks. It's not just about investing and increasing ADR. A lot of it has to do with the tax advantages that we can take advantage of and how we keep our money. So I'm not going to waste a lot of time on this intro. I don't even know that this dude needs an intro uh, because every single one of you listening to this podcast or watching it should probably be reaching out to him when we get done with this because he's going to show you how you can keep a lot of your hard earned money. So without further ado, let me bring up my new friend, Yona Weiss from Madison Specs. How are you today, Yona? Hello, Bill. Great to be here. Thanks so much for the introduction and having me have me on your show. Absolutely. So, you know, what? it's kind of interesting. You see Yona's like a professional with his beard. I'm just working <laughs> on mine. I thought, how long, did, I, how long <laughs> do I need the budget, Yona, to get to, to your length? Probably four or five years? Uh, probably a little more than that. I mean, it really, if I stand up here, it like goes down, you know, like it's pretty, uh, uh, that's, it's that's, pretty long. That's legit right there. I like it. There you go. Yona and I have actually, I don't think we've ever really had a conversation. Um, and I found out something while I was doing my research that I find really interesting. So you went to San Diego State. I did, yeah. So I love San Diego. had a place in Carlsbad for quite a while. And then now are you back? Are you based in New York? So I'm actually based in Israel right now. Okay. Um, been back and forth quite a bit, but been working remotely from here for, for some time. Awesome. So I just got done being a client of, uh, of Jonas literally like last week. Uh, so if you're familiar with what last week was, if you have a partnership LLC, your tax returns were due on Thursday. If you filed an extension, I waited till the absolute last minute, my fault. Uh, most cost aids are taking two, three, four months. Uh, these days we're going to talk about cost segregation studies. Uh, Yona got mine done in 12 days for me, you know, so I basically slid in with about 48 hours. Uh, right underneath the deadline. So, Yona, let's just start with, there's a lot of investors in the real estate space as a whole, but also in the short-term rental space that are new, as you're well aware. They got in at the, in the gold rush, you know, 2020, 2021, yeah. 2022, and they may not know what a cost segregation study is. Can we start there? Will you kind of explain to them what it is and what the benefits are? Sure. Cost segregation study is a engineering report of your property that allows you to take your accelerated depreciation deductions. So instead of taking a regular, what's called straight line depreciation deduction from your income taxes, which any real estate owner or investor can take this deduction, but usually it's just a little bit every single year, kind of spread out evenly. With a cost segregation study, you're able to front load a lot of those deductions into the earlier years by you know br basically breaking down the property and segregating the cost into different categories that certain things depreciate uh, faster, meaning you can take the tax deduction of the value of certain components at a faster rate. Uh, so it doesn't actually mean that your property is going down in value. That's not what depreciation means. It's just a borrowed term that allows you to take a tax deduction based on the principle that, that things are going down in value. And so that's what a cost segregation study does, allows you to take bigger tax write-offs, bigger tax deductions in the earlier years. So what is the standard uh, amortization rate for that depreciation? So like 27 and a half years? 
Correct. So for residential properties, it's over a 27 and a half year period. For commercial properties, it's over a 39 year period. That's actually really interesting when it comes to short-term rentals. The IRS treats them more like commercial properties because they are a transient rental, meaning it's not where people are living full-time. So residential, long-term rentals, or multifamily will be in that 27 and a half year depreciation schedule. Short-term rentals are going to be on that 39-year schedule. So Yona just did a cost save for me. Basically, it was a million-dollar property, $300,000 in land. So you can remove that, right? We're not cost-saving the land value. After amenities, appliances, furniture, and everything, I had a $679,000 cost basis, roughly, right? Mm -hmm. So Yona, what's the difference? Like, I think I had $18,000 in my appliance package, refrigerator, right. ovens, you know, that type of stuff. Does that pull down to... I don't know what the, I think it's like five years or seven years or something. That's kind of what happens. You go from the 27 and a half down to five years. Is that how it works? Right. So there are certain components that are going to depreciate on a five-year schedule and some things on a 15-year schedule besides for the structural components, which are going to stay on that 39-year schedule. So the engineer is going to break down and show you, you know, the foundation and, you know, the walls, roof, windows, you know, infrastructure like plumbing, electric, all that is going to be on a 39-year schedule. Those are going to be structural depreciation, and that's going to be spread over that, you know, longer period of time. But what we're going to break out from that is, like you said, certain things that are non-structural. And this can include, you know, appliances or furniture, equipment, even cabinets or, uh, you know, a big thing. Obviously, like short-term rentals will be, you know, fixtures and furnishings and, you know, the amenities like that. But even smaller things like window treatments or, um, you know, you may have, you know, uh, millwork or little things that are considered non-structural. And all, all of that adds up and allows you to take those deductions of those property, of those assets over a five-year period. That's awesome. So um, if you just, I want to throw it right out there right now. I think everybody should, not everybody, but anybody over a certain threshold, Yona. What do you recommend? What's the minimum value of a property to really warrant a cost say? We talked about right for, you know, Ryan uh, Bakey, who's at my mastermind, really says like 300, 350. What are your thoughts on that? So really any property, uh, as long as it's producing, you know, cash flow and really more importantly, on the individual and what your specific situation is and your benefit, but really any property purchased for over, I would even say, you know, $200,000 is going to make it that the the tax benefit is going to be you know five or ten x what you're spending on the actual conservation to get it done. Obviously, the higher the purchase price, the more the benefit's going to be because it is proportionate to that purchase price. So yeah, I used to say around five hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, but now I'm seeing so much benefit. Like even two hundred thousand and more, you're still going to get you know a benefit. But more importantly, is what is your situation? You know, can you as an individual actually benefit from this? And that's going to depend on, you know, your tax bracket. It's going to depend on, you know, how much, how much of those passive deductions you can actually use. Right. So one thing, you know, obviously, well, you and I know this, but it's starting the sunset, right? And uh, next year as we go into 2023, what are you seeing like this year? And I assume it's fluctuated in the average percentage of benefit from 18, 19 through COVID. Is there an average or is it too broad for you to even on a number. So what you're talking about is the bonus depreciation. So what we're, what that's what's going to be sunsetting. That's what's going to be reducing. So bonus depreciation is once you've done a cost segregation study and allocated those costs to a five or 15 year schedule that you can accelerate, you have the option to take that full deduction 
in the first year. Okay, so that's called 100% bonus depreciation. This year, 2022 is the last year to take that full 100% of those deductions up front uh, as a huge lump sum. Next year, 2023, it's gonna start going down to by 20% each year. So it's gonna go down to 80% next year and then to 60% the following year, meaning you can only take 80% of those accelerated deductions in the first year. The remaining 20% can still be spread over that five and 15 year schedule, meaning you can still get benefit just by doing a regular cost segregation without choosing the bonus depreciation method. So that's good news, everybody, for Yona, because that just means I got to buy an extra house next year. Right. What I did this year, right? Exactly. Uh, what about an average benefit per cost? Is, I mean, a lot of people throw out the 20% number, right? Which right. kind of I've hung my ad on. But I think, you know, it's interesting. Ryan Bakey and Kenny Bedwell just did, I think, a webinar or training last week or the week before about targeting markets that mm -hmm. have better cost state benefits. Is that thing? And what do you think about that? Uh, it's really interesting. There are so many factors. It has less to do with the markets probably than anything else. Um, what's going to come into play is, number one, what's the land value? Certain locations, and that may be one factor where certain target markets will have a higher land value, which will give you less to depreciate overall. But if you are short-term rentals in general, 20% is a pretty average or pretty conservative number I'm seeing, meaning 20% of the purchase price that you can take as a faster depreciation deduction. In your property specifically, I don't know what it was specifically about your property. I can look into the details, but I believe, I'm just looking at the numbers here, we're able to get um, you know, close to 30, it was over 38% of the tax basis, meaning after land allocation, 38%. So that's pretty high when it comes to short-term rentals, which, you know, ended up being, you know, close to 30% of your actual purchase price. So 679,000, I'm showing it here on mm -hmm. 300,000 was what I paid for the lot. Probably worth more today. Mm -hmm. uh, but 257,000, is that right? 257,460 was the actual number. Uh, so like you said, it's right around 30%. That's pretty crazy. Then the net number down here is 110,589. What's the difference in those two numbers? And, and I'm just going to give a warning to everybody that watches the podcast. This stuff's too fucking good. So we're going past our 10 minute uh, allotment. Yona, keep going, buddy. No problem. You're right. So this is, and I don't know if anyone can actually see the page there, but the, the net benefit means the depreciation deduction that reduces your taxable income. Okay. So if you have 250,000, let's say you made $250,000 of income, right? And you get this $257,000 depreciation deduction that reduces your taxable income to zero. So you essentially pay zero taxes on your $250,000 of income. What that translates to as a net benefit is going to depend on what your tax bracket is going to be, meaning what you would have owed in taxes after, after the fact. By reducing your taxable income to zero, you're paying no taxes. What's the net benefit in your pocket? That's the $110,000 that you would have had to pay uh, based on your tax bracket and other deductions, et cetera. So, folks, I pay. Is it okay if I say what I pay? Go for it. I paid $4,000 to have this cost sake done. And a lot of people think that I'm crazy to spend that kind of money. Can I find somebody to do it for 2000 or 2500 There is no question. There's plenty of those people. But I'm a value-based buyer. And it was the first time I've ever used Yona. But when I go to my tax experts and they say that I need to use Yona, I'm going to use them. 
The other thing that's interesting is a lot of people are paying more, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, to have the engineer physically come to their property, right? And they're, they're getting either a couple of mastermind members who got 25, 26%, similar properties, similar construction, similar locations. So I think there's this misnomer, and I know Yona won't say it. I don't think you have to spend more to have some right. engineer to go. So what I want to do is I want to kind of talk real quick. I think a lot of people want that they're afraid to, you know, self-host remotely or self-manage remotely, right? And then they think, wow, this involves a walkthrough. I don't know that I can be at my property to do the walkthrough. So they kind of potentially just poo-poo the cost sake thinking they can't execute it. Right. Um, kind of walk through the process. And then I'm going to, on the back end, let them know how easy it was for me. Sure. And, you know, just to be fully transparent, we, you know, we use engineers. Our, our company, we're the largest national conservation company. We only use engineers to do our studies. However, sending the engineers directly to the property physically, when COVID hit, we actually transitioned from doing a lot of that just based on, you know, logistics. It was not possible. And we saw that having our engineer do a, a video walkthrough or using an existing video or other specs that we can use can achieve the same result as, as having the engineer actually physically go there. And so we're still doing it all aligned with the conservation audit techniques guide that the IRS puts out. Um, but sending the engineer physically to the property, we have you know pulled back. So I'd say 80% or, or so of the cost stakes we do, we're not actually sending one of our engineers physically to the property, unless, like I said, it's, it is necessary. Um, but it still does require all of the, the input and all of the you know, detail that any conservation study will in, will require. Yeah, I think my report is 50 or 60 pages long. And once, so I'm just gonna share with you guys what I did. Even though I had a warm introduction to Yona, we didn't know each other, right? I still went to Madison Specs. He sent me a link through Facebook Messenger. This is how easy. Yona's like all over social media, just FYI. And you can follow him. There's my IG, there's Yona's IG. You should be following him on Instagram. There's no question. Uh, he has his own podcast as well. I don't, what's the name of your podcast, Yona? Weiss Advice. White likes that. You should be in the marketing. You should <laughs> <Weiss> <laughs> well, let me tell you what I did for my cosplay. I literally reached out to Yona via Facebook Messenger. He sent me a link. He said, fill out this form. It took me probably five to seven minutes to fill out the form. Now, understand, I got my shit to go. I kind of knew. I know what goes into it. I know what Yona's. I've had clients use Yona. I know what's going to go into it. So I had, and this is for a new construction. Mm -hmm. The only thing I didn't have that I didn't anticipate using a request were my building plans. You know, so I had to go to FedEx or Kinko's and spend like $180 to get these, you know, the ginormous blueprints put down mm -hmm. into a PDF for them, right? So outside of that, it's literally fill out a form. I had all my documents and, and here's what I want to tell you. So you know my house, if you follow me, Hank Dangbus Construction is the guy that built my house. He's 84 years old. Wow. He literally, everything was, is, if the owner goes back and look at my file, he'll probably, actually, I'll show it to him. I'll show him. Because this is my contract. This is what's absolutely crazy. Look at that. <laughs> that is the facts that I sent to you. But that is legit what Hank wrote down and okay. sent to the bank when I pulled out a construction loan for this. Um, and there's more documents that go into this, but that's really... Uh, the, the first document, but you can see, here's what Yona's talking about, about breaking everything down. My wife keeps track of all of this stuff when we, whether it's a new build like this or whether we're going in and, and we're doing a rehab or a refurnish or whatever. So if you're keeping these details, it's going to speed up the process. So I was joking with Yona. I mean, 
not really joking, but I mean, I'm so grateful because I have partnership LLCs. I don't do single member series LLCs. So my taxes were due for all my partnerships last Thursday. He got me done in 12 days. And as he was saying before we jumped on, if you have your shit together, if you have all of this stuff to like literally sent that in the first form that I filled out, here's the contract, here's the specs, here's my spreadsheet, all that stuff. Then the, I had to go get my plans. That took okay. me a day. It was like two days after I initiated contact, I'd gotten him everything. Then the biggest hurdle was literally, hey, can we schedule somebody to do a walkthrough? And I couldn't fly down there. So I literally called my cleaner. Hey, can I pay you a hundred bucks? to go do this walkthrough that lasted like 30 minutes. Dead simple. I had my toss egg back in like two to three days. And I'm not saying this is a pitch to use Yona, but every one of you guys want to use the people that I use. And I'm a client of Yona's and most of my mastermind members are using Yona as well. If you don't have your shit together, then it could take months to get your toss egg because you have to have all that information, right, Yona? Exactly. There are documents that we need in order, as you see, you know, 76 page uh, report here that Bill's pulling up. A lot of it contains the documents that we use in order to gather all the information and along with the site visit to, you know, to create the, the conservation study. So it usually takes us about six to eight weeks or so, but we can get it done in a matter of a week or two. Just really depends on uh, on having everything, all the documents together, and in our queue. I mean, we do about 5,000 of these a year. Uh, most of them are not actually for short-term rentals, believe it or not. Our main bread and butter is in the commercial space, multifamily and commercial properties. But over the past couple of years, with you know the you know resurgence of, I guess, the popularity of short-term rentals, you know, we've done hundreds of them. And it's just, just incredible to work with people like you and your mastermind and so many other people in the space that, you know, I myself am, uh, you know, going to be buying a short-term rental in the next uh, month or two, but before the end of the year as well. So well, I'm um, so aware. I mean, are you targeting that <laughs> <laughs> benefit? I'm not targeting it specifically based on the costing benefit, but I'm more targeting based on where I would actually, you know, potentially visit, um, if I wanted to go there as oh, well as beach, aren't you? No, not, I'm not a big beach person. <laughs> I like all the sand gets in the beard. It's hard to, hard to get out, you know? <laughs> awesome. Anything that I missed on Pause Eggs, Yona? You know, there, there's so much to it. Uh, we could go on for hours. I've been interviewed in over 300 podcasts. So you guys can definitely check that out if you want to learn more about Casa Egg. And feel free to reach out to me. Like Bill said, I am very active on all the social platforms, specifically LinkedIn, believe it or not, is the biggest uh, place where I'm, I'm active. Yona, wonder what's, what's the one or two takeaways that somebody, if they're considering doing a Casa Egg, I mean, to get it done quickly, to have all their ducks in a row, what should they be thinking about? The number one thing for short-term rental owners is, and, and I'm sure Ryan Backey has talked about this at length, if you are materially participating, if you are self-managing your property, that means that you can take these passive deductions to offset your active income. That's huge. I think that's going to be the biggest takeaway for anyone. Um, and the second thing is reach out to get a free estimate. It takes us about a day or two just to turn around a free estimate where you can see the difference between taking a regular straight line depreciation versus using the Cossack method to see what your actual net benefit is going to be. Let's talk about that material participation for a second. And it's something that I bring up a lot because I have a strategy of buying at the end of the year. So that way I can come in and not have $100,000 in rental income and then use that to offset my, my state ones, my schedule C's, you know, if you have a W-2, your other income, but you have to have, if it's like your first property or even your second, you really got to have that hundred hours 
of material participation. I think people don't understand that it starts when you close. It doesn't start beforehand, right? Right. And if you close on like December 23rd, that's going to be really challenging to be able to showcase a hundred hours if you were to go into an audit, right? So kind of what's your recommendation on that and tracking and that type of stuff? Yeah. So you need to be spending a hundred hours plus more time than anyone else. So you can't be, have a property manager or anything like that. If you want to be able to take this benefit, uh, make sure that you're tracking your hours, whatever it is, any time spent in the acquisition process, like you said, once you close on the property uh, setting it up, anything that you're doing in, in construction or post-construction or, you know, buying materials, things like that. And the management, if you are dealing with any uh, employees or, or cleaning person, maintenance person, any of that hour spent, time spent, you can track those hours. It's not too difficult to come up with 100 hours a year. But like Bill said, if you're buying a property at the end of the year, it is going to be difficult to track that. Yeah, you're going to have to be hands-on working in your property and, you know, setting it up. I mean, if you do what me and my wife do, you could probably knock out 50 hours in a week. Uh, but, you know, I cloned this property here. I put in the service on December 9th, right? So if I wouldn't have spent the entire week of Thanksgiving with my wife, and understand, I can't count both of our hours. I've got to count just my hours, right? Mm -hmm. So fortunately, I fall under the 500-hour rule. Uh, but on that one property, if I didn't spend the entire week of Thanksgiving, like working eight, 10 hours a day, literally building Andrew out, my Adirondack chairs, furniture, and, all, and I didn't have the documentation. Now, you all know me. I didn't do a whole lot of that work. Shouldn't say that publicly, but I've got the receipts from Ace Hardware, from Walmart, from Home Depot over that timeline. And I can show, and that's one of the reasons that we document everything that we do in our setup to where we do like before pictures, after pictures, we timestamp them in case I do get audited on the back end. So I think right. that's a big thing. Don't wait too long. So I think like my tax strategy typically starts here in, in a couple of weeks to determine, I know I'm going to, as I told you, and I'm probably going to have to buy another short three properties by the end of the year. I just have to make sure that I've got enough time, especially if I do multiples to be able to get to each and qualify if, if you don't fall under that 500. So can you touch real quick before we wrap up, you know, what is the difference between the 100 and the 500 hours of uh, material participation. Right, so these are both terms and, and definitions the IRS set forth to determine whether you can use your passive deductions, the depreciation deductions, anywhere besides to offset your passive income, uh, meaning your rental income. So if you materially participate, uh, if you are, the 500 hour rule essentially says that if you're spending 500 hours across all of your properties throughout the year, then you are determined, you know, that again, short-term rentals has to be a minimum of seven days or less is your average stay of the properties. And then once you've done that, you can now use those deductions to offset your active income or your W-2 income as well. You do not need to be what's called a real estate professional for this. This is something else entirely. The 100 hours is that you have 100 hours plus more time than anyone else. And so it's a combination of those two things. The 500 hours can be spread across multiple properties. The 100 hours is really on, you know, on a, a single property. And again, is more time than anyone else, which is the challenge, again, if you have um, you know, a property manager or anyone else. So, Yoda, you said a term there, real estate professional status. A lot of brokers, agents come into the short-term rental space and say, I'm good. I don't need to do my material participation because I'm a real estate professional. True or false? 
false. So you, if you are a real estate professional, if you're a broker or an agent, you are automatically a real estate professional. However, you still need a minimum of 500 hours materially participating in your own rentals, meaning you have to have rental properties and to be managed, actively managing them or working on them in order to also be able to claim the, those losses against your active income. And if I'm Bill Faith, just a little small Odunk business owner, do I need to be a real estate professional to qualify for material participation? As long as you don't have another full-time job, right? And if this is your full-time thing that you're, you know, being a real estate professional doesn't have anything to do with having a broker's license or anything like that. It just is your professional status. Like on your tax return, it's going to ask you, what's your occupation? If you write real estate professional, that means that's all you're doing. You don't have another full-time job. So, but I don't need to qualify. I don't need to get that status, right? To take advantage of a cost setting. That's correct. You don't need that as if you're dealing with short-term rentals. It's a different, uh, different ball game. Awesome. Knowledge bombs dropped, everybody. Uh, Yona Weiss, Weiss Advice, right? That's the podcast. There you go. Weiss on just about every single platform. I was actually on his LinkedIn earlier today doing some research. He's all over IG. He's on everybody's podcast, like every influencer like me, he's done every one of their podcasts. I'm probably like the last guy, the last podcast for him to be on in the short term <laughs> rental space because Yona is the man. Uh, Yona, thanks for joining me today. And thanks literally for knocking out my, my first cost seg with you in literally 12 days. I've got three more coming this week for you. Okay. My pleasure, Bill. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll see you guys on the next episode of STR Unfiltered. Thanks for joining us today and happy host. Thank you for listening to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.